Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Stuart Crawford coming to you from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. This is Small Business IT Radio on Friday, October the 19th, 2007. We have a great show lined up for you today. Come, some administration uh, details to kind of hit here. Uh, Small Business IT Radio is brought to you on the Blog Talk Radio network. BlogTalkRadio.com is a great website, great service to hop on to if you're uh, somebody just interested in getting on podcast and do a little bit of their own broadcasting. Uh, come to BlogTalkRadio.com and you can set up an account and get uh, get going in a matter of minutes. We are uh, we're we're on live on the internet today, and I want to invite people um, to uh, listen in uh, to us or call in and ask some questions. The uh, customer or the dial-in number is area code six four six. Seven one six eight three seven two. Again, that number is six four six seven one six eight three seven two. And of course, you can download archives of our show at smallbusinessitradio.com. Smallbusinessitradio.com is the website. Sign up there for our alerts and get some information when we update the uh, the schedule here for our shows. We have some great uh, shows lined up, so go on the website and check it out, and uh, and we'll uh, you can see the schedule there. Today we're uh, joined uh, on our on our sales quest here, our marketing uh, initiative here, to pass on some great sales mark and sales and marketing information. Again, a couple weeks ago we had Jody Hicks on there from Heartland Technology Services. Jody's just a regular account manager for Heartland. He was telling about uh, his approach to sales, coming from a people sales process and things that he did to create relationships inside his client base. And then we had uh, Liz Bierman on last week talking about some of the ways to get leads into our business. And those shows are all available on our website at smallbusinessitradio.com. You can download them. You can subscribe via iTunes and stay up to date with what's happening with our program here. Today, we are joined by uh, Carol Rosbutko from the Sandler Sales Institute. And Carol's one of the local franchise owners here in Calgary uh, with the Sandler Sales Institute. And I met Carol a few times at some of our Chamber of Commerce events and in some of our networking. I thought she would be a great person to come on and, and uh, share with us some uh, five tips of doing sales in, uh, in our global economy. I had the opportunity uh, to learn something valuable this week at a, a news conference on Wednesday from one of my uh, colleagues and peers. The world is really a 7 by 24 by 360 uh, world we live in. And let me kind of explain what that means. Gone are the days of working 8 to 5. You know, in this environment that we live in today, the global economy, it truly is 7 by 24. When you're sleeping, people are doing business on the other side of the globe. You need to have that in your mentality, in your, in your small business IT practice. And then have a 360 global view. And not, I was, 360 is not about the amount of days in the calendar year. It's really about the view that you have on, with your business. It's a 7 by 24 by 360 view of the global economy. So I'd like to invite Carol on to, to our program today. Uh, again, Carol is a local franchise owner for the Sandler Sales Institute, and I'm sure everybody's heard about Sandler Sales Institute. Uh, wherever you are, I'm sure there's a local uh, franchisee. Carol, welcome to our program this morning. Maybe you can tell us a little about, about who you are and maybe your, uh, some of the qualifications that you have, how you got to be a, a franchise owner uh, within Sandler Sales Institute. Good morning, Stuart, and thank you very much for inviting me to be part of this uh, broadcast here this morning. I have an absolute passion for working with people and organizations to help them change and grow, and I have a very diverse background in human resources. 
which led me to this fascinating world of sales here. And for those people that think that sales is sales is sales, well, I've got some news for you because we sell all the time, every day, whether we are in human resources or whether we're a dentist, a lawyer, uh, an Internet technician, or genuinely selling products door-to-door. So sales uh, takes on quite a big uh, uh, realm there. I have extensive experience in training and development, management, and employee relations and recruitment and staffing. And one of the things that I've recognized that it takes time, effort, commitment, and money to change behavior. So one of the things I do is offer long-term incremental reinforcement sales and management training through weekly workshops. And a client says that uh, one of the things about uh, me is that I'm an excellent coach and trainer who has prepared and provided me with the courage to create the needed change in my sales approach. And that's uh, one of the things that I started my little discussion off here with, saying that I'm very passionate working with people, and that's the absolute truth in this. I really want to uh, work with people to help you change and grow. Well, that's great. And I mean, passion is one of those things you have to have as an entrepreneur or as a business owner. If you don't love what you're doing, why are you doing it? So we were talking prior to uh, going live on this morning's program about uh, sales coming to people. I want to kind of carry on that conversation just to bring the listenership up to speed. Caroline got on this call about seven minutes prior to going live this morning, and we were talking about some of the limiting beliefs around sales, around small business owners. I don't mean it doesn't matter if you're an IT professional, an owner of a car wash or a transportation company. Many people get into business because they were working for somebody else and thought they can do it themselves. And they play the classic Michael Gerber role of being a technician. And we can talk about the E-Myth at great lengths down the road. But one of the things, Carol, we were talking about was how they view sales. And maybe we can uh, restart that conversation. But what do you find in your trainings or the, the clientele that you deal with, the overall view of sales and maybe where they struggle? I mean, you talked about it earlier that you have to be constantly selling, but that doesn't come naturally to some, to some folks out there. So what were we, kind of bring up to see what we were talking about there, about the whole, some of the limiting beliefs around sales. Uh, Stuart, that's a, a great uh, jumping off point here, and certainly in this global marketplace, and, and so many people have decided to leave the safe confines of an employer and strike out on their own. And they do this for many reasons because they have a brilliant product or they have a concept or a service. And in, their, the, in the small world that they start out in, they get a lot of recognition. People are really keen for what they have. They're excited about it. And people are buying it. Well, six months, eight months, a year down the road, suddenly the interest dwindles and a lot of these people can't figure out why it has dwindled. And in reality, when they sit back and take note, they haven't actually been out there selling their product. And uh, sometimes they really don't even know how to get out there and sell. And that's one of the biggest challenges that I'm finding when I, I do talk to people 
and in my training programs is they sometimes really struggle. A simple concept of making cold calls. Well, we find that most people think they can put up a website and the business is going to come to them because they hear all these great myths around search engine optimization or you build it and they will come. That's not necessarily the case. And you find that, Carol, that most people, yeah, you mentioned that most people just think that people, you know, they six months down the road, they get discouraged, they don't think things are happening. Uh, how do we as entrepreneurs, as business owners, get around that whole mentality of, of the build it and they will come? It's all great to have the field of dreams movie showing there, but that's not reality in the real world. And that's when we see most business owners you know, becoming very bitter about what they do uh, or discouraged and how do we how do we deal with that that's a that's a brilliant point uh, Stuart and i certainly believe that what we need to do is we need to step back and take a look at what it is we are marketing or what it is we are actually selling and one where where is your marketplace who are you trying to sell this to networking is one of those things that is is phenomenal for some people, whereas for other people it doesn't work. Are you out there trying to uh, infiltrate, for example, small to mid-sized manufacturing companies? How do you get in to see these people? And one of the, one of the key things that, that I focus on and, and stress with people is, are you actually having a meeting with a decision maker when you do go and meet these people? That's something that's really, really key. I think in a lot of cases, we find that we end up talking to people who aren't really the decision makers. So, you know, when you're, you're out there trying to figure out exactly what it is you're um, wanting to do, you certainly have to take a look at how you're going to get this product to market and who your ba- best allies are going to be in order to assist you in getting your products out to market. Oh, great. Now, this is Stuart Crawford in conversation with Carol Bushko from the Sandler Sales Institute on smallbusinessitradio.com. Remind the uh, listeners out there, you can dial in with any questions at area code 646-716-8372. Now, Carol, we were kind of throwing around ideas about this uh, call today or this program. One is something to kind of address what's really happening out there in the economy, what's happening in the world. And it came down to we really live in a global economy. I mean, gone are the days of the borders, gone are the days of, you know, the doing business in your local community because in the reality of the world, and we're seeing it in the IT space all the time, is we're starting to see the big box retailers, the online computer distributors coming in and wanting to play in our in our sandbox. We may like it or we may not like it. Maybe they were invited or they weren't invited. But the reality is they're here, and they're here to stay. And I'm sure you could talk to any other type of small business that they have those same concerns. The competition out there has gone from being the other computer shop down the street to being the CDWs, the Dells, the Best Buys of the world. So they want to do business in our community, and they want to do business in your client base. So this is where sales and relationship building really comes into play, is if you're not doing it, I can almost guarantee that those guys are are doing it. You just have to open up the newspaper to see a commercial or an ad from Dell 
turn on your radio station in, on, in your car and there's somebody advertising into your market space. So there's a number of challenges that we discussed, uh, Carol, around sales in today's uh, global economy. Kind of let's jump off the curb here and, and tackle number uh, the first issue. Let's just see what's what's the first issue to, uh, in today's economy that small business needs to be aware of. Well, I think Stuart, one of the bi- the biggest issues we all find is that we have. We, you, I, we have fabulous products. Everybody out there, we all have the best products in the market. We're so proud of our, mark, our products and, um, or the services we have that one of the first things we want to do is tell everybody about it. And so when you're sitting there in front of a prospect and you're doing all the talking, you're not really finding out even if they're interested in buying your product. So one of the, the, the key things is, is completely reversing that. Don't go in and see these people and try and sell them anything. What you want to be doing is, first off, finding out if they actually have a need for your product. And by asking questions and lots and lots of questions to find out what these people really are looking for, what their challenges are, how it's affecting their business, what kind of monetary impact is it actually having on their business, what kind of monetary impact is it having on them? To find out if, if there's a, a fit for what products or service you have for what they're actually looking for. You might find out that they don't even need what you have. So the real okay. key is in, in asking the questions and finding out the need. So I call that the, uh, the shut up and listen type uh, approach. That's it's really. That's- Really That's digging excellent. in and really going there, and it may may not be the latest gadget, the latest widget, is understanding the needs of your client or your prospect and finding a fit for the product that you sell, the solution that you may deliver, and find out how that fits into their business needs. Is that uh, what I understand here? Yes, absolutely, Stuart. Absolutely. So, you're, is you're, there any mistakes that you find uh, besides the obvious uh, that people that you've dealt with that just uh, you know any anything that we can sh- uh, share with the listenership here that uh, an example that you can give uh, around this whole understanding the business needs of, of the client? Anything jump out at you? Well, I think one of one of the interesting things is uh, that seems to come out a lot is we tend to want to get our information out there and and the word out there and we keep talking and sometimes we don't actually listen to what the prospect is saying. We ask a question but we may not be listening to what they're saying and sometimes they're actually only making a statement such as the price of your product is significantly higher than I can get down the road. And what we tend to do is defend that and say, well, you know, we offer this and this, we offer great service, we offer uh, um, technicians that will come in and help you do it. And in actual fact, they, they're not asking a question, but our, because we're not really listening to what these people are saying, we tend to defend and we're, we, we take it all internally as opposed to saying, hey, let's 
let's talk about your needs, finding out what your needs are, and if price really is an issue, or is it just something that you wanted to throw out to throw us off guard? I can uh, relate to that exactly as I hear that I hear that statement every once in a while. Uh, and I have to admit myself, I've sometimes in the past I've been a little bit too defensive on um, on that. I take it take it a little personally, or or, or I try to defend our company's stand on that. And really, you, you nailed it. They're, they're really just making a statement that I just saw that in the Dell paper for, uh, or saw in the newspaper, and Dell had it for 399 in the newspaper, and you're selling it for 800 And immediately we said, well, because they're, they're not giving you this, they're not giving you this, and they were really just making a statement. So that's a great, uh, that's a great tip in itself. Uh, ask a question. Stop. Listen to the answer, and listen and and intake it all. It's very not just ask a question and pretend you're listening. Uh, listen, uh, listen and understand. And if you're not under, if you don't understand what they're saying, hey, you know what? You can answer. You can ask another question. It's it's perfect how that flows, uh, Carol, isn't it? And and that's and that's perfect, Stuart, because uh, sometimes we find that uh, the prospect has said something, you've taken it one way, and they're thinking completely different from you. And by asking that other question, sometimes you might find out that what they asked in the first place isn't even what they were wanting the answer to. But that's what came out. So getting them to clarify what it is that they are really looking for saying something along the line, Stuart, that's a very interesting question. You must have asked that for a reason, or Stuart, that's a great question. I'm just not sure what you mean by the the price is too high. And you can then use that to, again, dig, dig a little deeper. That's, because the, yeah. first answer, the first answer they may give you may not necessarily be the, the problem. That's the right. root of their concern or, or their challenge or their issue uh, is usually several levels deeper. And if you don't listen to the first bit, you, there's no way you can come back with another question or, or a way to dig a little, little deeper. Because, yeah, when they just, the first answer they're going to give you is just a, is scratching the surface, and the real root is several layers below. And a good, uh, and a good analogy there, Stuart, is if anybody has ever gone to a therapist or a psychologist because they have stress-related issues or they're dealing with, you know, a terrible accident or, or something and they want to go and see the therapist and when the therapist starts asking questions, they know that that's not the real reason that they've come to see them and they keep asking, asking deeper and deeper, deeper questions to find out what the root of the, the um, issue really is. And when you're on the sales call, that's what I'm saying as well. And just like you've said, Stuart, that quite often what they ask you or what they answer initially is just the surface problem. It's really not the, the whole issue. That's, that's true. And I, mean, I love that analogy of the therapist. So we got the first, um, the first one here kind of licked. Uh, well, I wrote down a little note and, okay, we'll call number one the, the shut up and listen. Ask, shut up, and listen uh, analogy. So that's the first uh, one kind of tackled there. So we got that one. What's the what's the second challenge we see most uh, small business owners or you know for this for the audience of this show the small business IT consultants or 
I mean, you can put any hat on, and you're going to going to have these same challenges no matter what industry you're in. What's number two, Carol? Sure. One of the things I touched on briefly um, earlier was the decision maker, and sometimes what happens is we're so excited to actually get a meeting with somebody that we do our spiel, we we go through the whole thing, and then we find out that the person we're talking to is not in a position to actually make the decision. So where do you go from there? You've you've spent the time. You may have put a presentation together. You might have even gone so far as to put a proposal together. And then this person may or may not take it to the next level, to the decision maker, and that leaves you out in the cold until the internal people make their decisions. So one of the key things is really making sure before you want to be doing any presenting or giving any kind of proposal, make sure the decision maker is present or in the conversation. So what I have found in my uh, in my own business is there's really two type of or three types of people, people that just don't have any decision-making ability at all. Uh, those are the people that I find sometimes at the local networking group lunches, the you know sometimes at different events uh, in our chamber of commerce or whatever. A lot of them go to other like other salespeople or whatever t- looking for leads. Number two is an influencer. This is somebody that you can talk with and pitch your solution, your product. They don't have the decision making abilities. However, they can influence the decision maker on the right path. And this, for us people in the IT business, this may be your office administrator, your IT manager uh, for a bigger organization, maybe uh, the CFO, those type of roles, the people that influence the direction of the products or services that we are uh, wanting to, uh, to sell. And then the third, per- the third type, of course, is the business decision makers themselves. This one, again, the CFO may play this role or uh, VP of finance or president, CEO type role. Now, there's one kind of role in there that I kind of wanted to throw in, but it's not kind of really identified, is what I call the gatekeeper. I'm sure a lot of people have heard that term. Uh, Carol, do you have any tips that we can share with uh, people listening today on how they can get by a gatekeeper so they can get to that decision maker? Stuart, that's a that's a great question. And one of the things that we certainly uh, want to ensure is treat each person as if they are the decision maker. So one of the first things you can be doing is asking for that person's name. And asking them... Uh, when you would be able to get a hold of the particular person that you're needing to actually be speaking with and build up some bond and rapport with these people to get them on your side. You don't want to sound like a salesperson when you're calling these people. However, you do want to get your message across to these people so that they will be able to schedule that meeting or schedule the phone call with the the person that you're needing to talk to. And, you know, you can certainly um, 
inquire as to what their role is in the organization and if they would be part of the decision-making process to make them really feel comfortable. I've learned a valuable lesson from a Newfoundlander friend of mine. Now, for those people down in the, uh, in the lower 40, uh, 48, the uh, Newfoundlanders are people that live uh, on the eastern coast of Canada in, a, in uh, the island of Newfoundland. And one of the things this young uh, fellow inter- introduced me to is uh, treat everybody like they're your friend. Uh, so when you call and you talk to the receptionist, uh, create a rapport with this person, uh, treat them like they're your friend, and your chances of success greatly imp- improve uh, if you took the approach of, yeah, it's, it's Stuart, I want to talk to the president, is he, uh, is he or she available? Your chances are greatly diminished over if you call the, there's, in the reception of the phone, you ask uh, that person, you know, how's their day going, and create some type of rapport. Uh, do you find, Carol, in what you're uh, in in the training that you give to people that are looking for sales help, that that works better than different other strategies? I've heard both ways are successful. Uh, treat people with a sense of urgency or and different tips and trick tips. Uh, I've had mixed success either way, but uh, this one treat people like your friend really stood out and really helped uh, in some more difficult situations. However, what are you seeing out there uh, around uh, with the people that you deal with? Well, I, I certainly think you bring up some valid points there, Stuart. Yes, I, I, I'm on the uh, same page as treating everybody uh, as if they are your friend, and that's what I said. Find out what the person's name was. Try to, to, to build some kind of relationship with these people. At the same time, what you're wanting to do is... is not make them feel um, uncomfortable in the role in the role that they are in. Talk about it being a very important role. However, you know the issues that you need to be discussing are certainly for the president's ears only, the general manager's ears only, and uh, I'm sure that uh, if he wants to share this with you, he will do so. So one of the things, as I say, is is Make yourself sound so that you're not sounding like a, per, a salesperson, and it's it's almost like a personal call. One of the things that I'm finding these days is a lot of the time people are just putting you right through to the voicemail of the the person that you're asking for. In a lot of cases, that's one of the things that I'm finding is happening. Oh, the na- yeah, the nasty voicemail, yeah. So. So you don't really know if the person is in the office. However, you know, it's an opportunity for you to to leave the voicemail or certainly if you can get the direct line. The other thing is if you're not sure who you're calling and you make that initial call to find out who it is you need to be speaking with, that's when you can build up some bonding and rapport with the um, person who answers the phone, then in a day or two, you can call back and you say, hi, Mandy, you know, we spoke the other day. I'm trying to get a hold of uh, Stuart. Is he available at this point in time? And then that way, she she may be 
thinking that this is a personal call or, or she's not sure, but it sounds like you know who the person is. So you mentioned tricks. Yeah, there are all kinds of tricks, but really making sure that you uh, have a good bonding and rapport with the uh, person. Perfect. This is uh, Small Business IT Radio on the blogtalkradio.com network, and we're talking about uh, top five tips to, to uh, face our challenges facing uh, us in the, today's uh, global economy. Um, we've got two down. We've got about half an hour left in the program, and I just want to invite uh, anybody listening out there to call in if you have questions at area code 646-716-8372. We'll get on. We'll get your uh, question answered. So, uh, Carol, we got the. We're onto the third tip now. Um, so we got to ask questions and listen, or the shut up and listen. I call it. Uh, find the decision maker, or and identify the roles inside of an organization. What's the third challenge facing sales professionals today? Well, Stuart, I think one of the biggest challenges is. Um, finding out if there is uh, the budget for whatever product or service you have and finding out not only if there is a budget with the, the, the prospect you're dealing with, but are they actually willing to part with it. And I think one of the biggest mistakes so many of us make is that we we go through the selling cycle, so to speak. We do the bonding and rapport. We ask the surface questions. We haven't really delved deep enough, but we feel we've got enough information, and then we, we do a presentation or we do a proposal, and then we wait for the decision. Well, you know, in my world, I would rather find out earlier on that, one, you have the money, and two, that you'd like to part with it before spending numerous hours putting a proposal together and uh, doing a presentation because we all know it takes, it can take a long time to, to put those two parts of the package together and then we sit and wait and hope. So what I'm saying is why don't we find that out sooner rather than later? There's no, uh, I always ask a question when I'm meeting with a prospect is how much money are, are you willing to spend uh, to get the right solution that you want? I find that's a very good question because it kind of just gets right to that budget right away. They say, I have $7,000 or I have $10,000 to spend. I know what I'm working into. So there's no use me going to uh, with a $20,000 solution the guy is willing to spend $10,000 on a, a solution. So you find out up, right up front what they're willing to spend. And... If the $20,000 solution is the solution that fits their business needs, because you do all, of course, through the uh, the asking questions and listening, you're going to hopefully take notes and identify these needs. And if you're an IT professional, I'm hoping that you're using the Small Business Technology Assessment Toolkit available at Microsoft.com, which scripts the right, the right questions that you should be asking and you find out how much money they want to spend, you have the $20,000 solution that fits what their their needs are, uh, then you can go and use some creative type of ways to uh, perhaps get that $20,000 solution in on that $10,000 uh, budget because you can use uh, I, things like leasing and other tools to uh, make it, you know, create a monthly payment plan or 
maybe offer it as a as a service, a hardware as a service type model or software as a service type model. Um, don't want to get into a lot of tactics today, but the understanding of the question is you have to ask the question how much money they're willing to spend, Carol. Uh, you you kind of nailed that. So what kind of tips uh, do you have, generally speaking, that you can find out that information besides the obvious, you don't just ask? Uh, and and that's, that's great that you are comfortable enough to ask because one of the things, Stuart, you may find or I found in my world, certainly when I'm uh, working with uh, individuals and organizations, is a lot of people are not comfortable asking that question. And so what they're more comfortable as, oh, here's the proposal. And one of the things when you are asking the questions and you are digging deeper and deeper and deeper, just by asking a question such as, Stuart, it sounds like these challenges are really keeping you up at night and it sounds like they're really costing you your annual bonus because you can't get things in place. So let's pretend you don't do anything, Stuart. What would happen in the, in the next year if you don't make these changes, if you don't want to spend the money to make the changes? And this is after they've shared with you all the challenges and struggles they're having, and, and they say, you know, I, I need to do something about this. Here's my credit card. Or, you know, you can segue into saying, gee, is there, is there a budget you have? I mean, when you, you get your $7,000 out of them and you believe it's a $20,000 solution, if you continue asking the questions, you can go back and say, gee, Stuart, you know, what part of the the solution or what part of the challenge do you want to fix and what part do, do you not want to fix because $7,000 is not going to cover it. Yeah, I mean, and I really like that one tip you kind of gave there, uh, Carol, was you kind of hit them a little bit uh, where it hurts. Uh, on, you mentioned, the, you know, are you going to get your bonus this year if you don't take these kind of steps? And when they're comp when the when your client's compensation plan or if you're talking to a business owner and they can't get the rewards out of their business because why did they start why did your client start a business in the first place probably the same uh goals and aspirations as you did if you're the business owner they probably have yeah they're probably in uh, pretty much in tune with what what your goals and aspirations are we all want to get we all get into the business to make money most of us are not afraid to spend money to make money or to alleviate a pain point. Uh, if you can come up and nail the pain point and recommend a product or service that will allow that business owner to meet their goals in their business, and you know you got to keep it in mind with budget as well. However, sometimes you can stretch that budget a little bit if there is uh, a pain that you're going to cure. And under you know if you hit it there, your chances of succeeding, in my opinion, greatly increase. So I like that, uh, Carol, was that one thing you mentioned there. So now we've got the the we found we've done our research. We've asked the questions. We listened to their answers. We got in front of the right decision maker. We found out 
you know, what the budget looks like. What's the next step? Well, the the thing is, before you even um, go into the, the pre- presenting, one of the things you could you can ask them is, so what would you like to do now? You know, certainly you recognize you have all these challenges. We've had a pretty serious discussion for however long you've been with this person. They've recognized that they need to make these changes and that you are capable of getting them out of the pain, solving their problems, so what would you like to do now puts it back in their court and they can then say to you whatever comes out. And sometimes what comes out is, well, you know, I have to think about it, I have to talk to the committee, or there are other people involved in the decision. So what you're trying to do is, is eliminate that aspect, and if you've dug down and gotten enough uh, pain out of them and hit home, then the actual decision process should be fairly simple. They should be ready to hand over the money, and then the next step there is when you present the solution to them. They've already, they, they move forward and they agree to do business with you because You've listened to them, you've helped them discover what their challenges are, and you can provide a solution. And at that point in time, they don't need all the details because they are so comfortable with you, they know you're going to be able to solve their problems. So that's a good question. So what would you like to do now? Is that kind of like asking for the sale, Carol? In essence, yeah, because, you know, what else? Would you like to see, hear, do in order to fix your problem? What, sometimes I find when when I ask that question, uh, I either get, well, send us over a proposal or, you know, give me a ballpark number. And if I can ballpark it pretty close, chances are I'm going to walk out of that that meeting with an order. I don't even have to waste my time doing proposals because they've already said, you know, keep it around $20,000 and uh, get me the lease number and we'll do some business. Really greatly increases the amount of time I have to go work on my next project where I'm not kind of spinning my wheels getting doing research or proposals. But it gets a good question because it allows you to, it gives you that opportunity to, you know, figure out, you know, what's the next step because you can go back and if you don't ask that question, you go back and you know, bombard them with proposals and with, with spec, specs and testimonials and all that stuff, but they really didn't want that. So ask that question. It's, it's a, that's, a, that's a huge question, Carol, and I thank you for, uh, you know, enlightening us with that, that one question because I, I think of all the things we talked about, that's probably one of the big keys that I've pulled out of this so far. And, and Stuart, well, thank you for that, and, I, and I'm glad you brought that up, and I'd just like to throw one other um, comment out here is, you know, sometimes what happens is people are uncomfortable. So when they do ask for that proposal, one of the things that you could say to them, you know what, Stuart, I'd be absolutely delighted to provide you with a proposal. Let's pretend that you have the proposal in and you've reviewed it 
and you think it's the best thing since sliced bread, what's next? So let's let's throw this out into the ether world. You know, you have the proposal in front of you. So then, what would you like to do? You like it. Then then, what's your next decision? So always throwing back to them so that you're getting them to think about why they would actually want that proposal. Is it because they don't have the guts to stand, sit there in front of you and tell you no? Or is, is it because you haven't answered some questions? So using the let's pretend I find works really really well. I'm writing that one down as we speak. Okay, so to recap here, we okay, so we've done our homework, we asked the questions, we got the information we wanted, we found out who the decision maker is, we know how much they want to spend, we've asked them, what would you like to do now, and that nice let's pretend uh, scenario. The fifth and final uh, key we want to hit today is, is what, Carol? Well, and this is something that I like to refer to as um, the post-sale. And I don't know if this is something that is common in your industry here. However, I've had people say, yes, it does happen. It happens in all kinds of industries. However, you, you've gotten a sale from the person, you've done a handshake, whatever it is, yes, they've agreed to the sale, and then you get back to the office or you get a message a few hours later on your cell phone and they're saying, you know what, uh, let's just put that on hold for a little bit. Oh, the buyer's remorse. Ah, uh, yeah, that's perfect. And you're thinking, well, what the heck happened there? They, they agreed. So one of the things that I work with my clients on is, while you're sitting there talking to the person after they've agreed to the sale, ask them a few more questions such as, Stuart, I'm looking forward to doing business with you. Thank you so much for the purchase order or the check, whatever. Is there any reason that, you know, when I walk out of here and get back to my office that you might be reconsidering what it is that we've uh, agreed upon today? Okay. Let's That's a good question. I can't relate to it myself. I don't think I've had it happen, but okay. I can imagine it happens out there. And I mean, I've done it myself. I buy a new car. Yeah. And I get home and I go, "Do I really need? Do I really need that? Did I need, really need that new car?" And it's kind of the mind starts kicking in all the reasons why you shouldn't have bought it. Sure. And, and that's, I think that's just human behavior naturally. So if you can kind of nip that uh, early before you even leave, I can see how that can you know, lessen that risk from happening. Absolutely. So, um, Carol, you know, we've got a lot of great, uh, great things. So let's just review. And what we'll do as well for the people listening to us live or have downloaded us via iTunes from smallbusinessitradio.com, if you go onto our website, and you'll notice in the right-hand side of the page, there's a place where you can sign up for alerts and for notifications. If you go there, we will, I will document all these tips, Carol, and uh, 
maybe we can put a little bios about the, what you do and uh, and all that, and we make it into a little ebook format, and we can send that out to the people when they sign up on the on the list uh, from our website here. Get this in a PDF format, kind of hitting these five points, so they don't have to keep scribbling notes as they're as they're writing here or as they're listening. So let's just review the the five uh, uh, the five areas we talked about here. And so we had first we had ask questions and listen. We had number two was find the decision maker. Number three was find out how much they want to spend, what their budget looks like. Number four was what would you like to know now or let's pretend questions. Uh, and number five was ways to eliminate that buyer's remorse or post-sales. Anything we want to expand on there, Carol, before we uh, wrap up for today? Well, I think I the one thing that I'd just like to uh, – go back to is when you when we first started talking uh, we were sharing that uh, a number of these people are have left the corporate world and and uh, have started out on their own and one of the the biggest issues that I find with the the clients I'm dealing with is something that I I refer to as paid time activities versus non-paid time activities Stuart are you Familiar with those terms? Yeah, I am, yeah. Yeah, and I think what happens is that uh, we tend to avoid doing the things that we need to be doing in order to generate the business, and that's out doing the prospecting, making the cold calls, going to the networking events, because we're not comfortable doing those things. And so when you are starting uh, a small business, it is very, very important to make sure that that you have the right balance and that you're accountable and who are you accountable to if it's your own business you're accountable to you and so if you're not generating money why aren't you generating money and it's something that we really have to focus in on and and make sure that we're very very aware of well I mean that's a great segue into something I want to kind of recommend here to all of our uh, listeners today is if you're the classic uh, person out there who's working for an organization and you've left an organization and think that you can do it better yourself and so let's let's call it the technician role and Michael Gerber puts that into emails very uh, very clear what that person looks like they're basically doing the you know they're fixing the computers they they are servicing the trucks they're doing all of that stuff or uh, or they're running the restaurant or whatever. They really, they really have a passion for doing that. Uh, they they don't naturally they may not naturally fit into a sales role. I'll go again, but we talked about everybody should be naturally selling anyways. Uh, Carolyn, I'm sure you'll agree with me on this comment. Is if you're not comfortable doing that, either you, you got two options. You can hire somebody to do that for you. Getting to the Jim Collins good to great uh, approach here of getting the right people on the right seat on the bus. Uh, and if you're not a good salesperson, hire a salesperson to do that for you. Or number two, if you really want to get into that role and you don't know where to start, hire a coach to help you. I mean, i got a coach in almost everything that I do in my life. And I tell you, it really helps uh, on a lot, of, a lot of things. I'm sure you'll agree with the second, the second point there, uh, uh, Carol. But, you know, anything you want to add on those two points? Well, and I think that is uh, very valuable information. That is absolutely true. And 
one of the things that I'd like to stress, though, is that you have to be careful if you're not comfortable selling your your products and services, you should really find out why you're not comfortable selling that if you are the owner of the company. And I agree that getting people to do what you don't like doing is is great and certainly something that uh, you can work towards. But initially, for a lot of people, it's that's not a possibility because they just they don't have the money to do that. So I agree coaching is something that is uh, is really key. And one of the things that, that uh, I do at, at with the Sandler Sales Institute, I mentioned that it's long-term reinforcement because we've recognized that it takes a long time to change behavior. So if you are, if you are looking at these techniques and looking at these issues on a regular basis, and I do this on a weekly basis, we deal with the issues over and over again. Eventually, if you choose, your behavior is going to change. But that's only if you want it to change and if you want to apply things. And certainly, um, that's uh, the whole concept. A lot of people in this global economy want everything right now. Well, just think about the last time you went to any kind of training seminar for a half day what do you remember now if it was two years ago, six months ago? I'm not saying that you're not going to take a nugget out of it. However, do you recall what you learned in that entire day? Well, yeah, that's so true. I mean, you get bombarded with so much information, uh, and you only have a capacity for so much. However, uh, I've gone to a number of uh, seminars where, yeah, I kind of think back, and what did I really pull out of that day? So, Carol, I'd like to maybe extend the invite here to you now to share your contact information for people listening and to have any questions or follow-up they want to do with you directly. How can people uh, reach out to you? What's the best way to contact you? Okay, well, one of the things that I'd like to stress, because I understand that uh, this uh, talk show is being broadcast in various places throughout Canada and the U.S., as uh, Stuart, you mentioned earlier, Sandler is a franchise business, so there are 200 uh, business people such as myself around the world. You can go into www.sandler.com and just uh, plug in either your zip code or your postal code and find the, the Sandler franchisee that's uh, in your city, and certainly you can uh, contact them and have a chat with them. For myself here in Calgary, I am www.carolrostobutko, R-O-S-D-O-B-U-T-K-O, dot Sandler dot com. And my local number here in Calgary is 403 265 Five six seven zero, and for those of you who are possibly interested in finding out a little bit more, I do an executive briefing once a month. The next one is scheduled for November 22nd. It's two hours, and if you go into my website, you'll be able to register for that. Well, that's wonderful, Carol. Thank you for sharing that. Now, thanks for the reminder that, yeah, Sandler is a franchise 
operation. So go to Sandler.com and find somebody local uh, to you. I feel free to um, mention that you heard about it through uh, through our radio show and and uh, that an interview with Carol, so that uh, we know that the right people are are uh, being uh, recognized uh, for the efforts that that's happening here. So, Carol, once again, thank you very much for taking time out of your morning to uh, come and talk to uh, to us on Small Business IT Radio. It was it was a pleasure to have you on this morning. Well, Stuart, I appreciated the the opportunity very much, and uh, I look forward to our continued business uh, association. And I, yeah, so do I, and I look forward to it. So I just wanted to remind everybody uh, listening today uh, that uh, visit our website, smallbusinessitradio.com. We're going to be updating the schedule here momentarily. we got uh, a couple things in the works. We definitely have Jim Hamilton from MSP Partners confirmed uh, coming up here in the next little while. And Jim will be talking about the, the whole managed services partner program and their alliance, uh, the MSP Partner Alliance, and how you as a computer IT person can benefit from, from MSP Partners and your membership. And I think it's only $99 a year or even $49 a year to join that organization. So Jim will be on board with us. We're trying very hard to have some key people from Dell on to talk about the whole Dell channel initiative. So stay tuned to our website. Find out when that's going to be. We're looking at uh, sometime in late October, early November for that. We'll have uh, representatives from Dell on to talk about the channel initiative. And I want to extend the invitation to our listenership. If you have an interesting story, you have an interesting product, you have something you want to share that can benefit the small business IT professional, uh, drop me a line. Or if you just have any comments, uh, feel free to... Uh, drop us a line. My email address is info at stuartcrawford.com. That's S-T-U-A-R-T, Crawford, C-R-A-W-F-O-R-D.com. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely look at uh, the uh, opportunities uh, to have you on the show and address your feedback. You can uh, visit uh, www.smallbusinessitradio.com. Sign up for our, our alerts and our, and our mail outs. When you do so today, we'll make sure you get a copy of the of the five uh, challenges here that we talked about on the program, uh, so you don't have to write it all down and, and try to put it, we'll put it in a nice in a nice format for you. So that's on smallbusinessitradio.com, and uh, make sure you share the share the news about our program here. There's a lot of great uh, podcasts for small business IT professionals that focus on the technology side of what we do. I believe we may be one of the only ones that really focus on the business side and digging into issues like sales and marketing, how to get leads into your business. So share the uh, share the news about uh, about the show here, and we'll be uh, you know expanding the show in the next little while to really dig deep into some of the challenges that are out there facing our industry. So this is Stuart Crawford for Small Business IT Radio signing off for this week, and I encourage you to check the website at smallbusinessitradio.com.